Jesus was dead. Of this we can be certain. Jesus died on the cross, was laid in the tomb, and sealed off in the darkness. Jesus had breathed his last breath, and yet, here we are today. Some 2,000 plus years later, we are gathered in this place to celebrate a miracle, to celebrate that which was pretty much impossible throughout all of human history. We are gathered here to celebrate that after the tomb was sealed off, it was opened once again. And Christ, who was absolutely dead, was, is, and shall be forever alive. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus is alive. But the risen Christ was not exactly the same as when he entered the tomb. A transformation of sorts had taken place. Jesus is changed in resurrection, preparing for his return to the glories of heaven. Jesus, whose humanity was on full display as he hung on the cross, now has his divinity in full display in resurrection. Now, Jesus in his time of earthly ministry had begun a revolution. A revolution predicated on the covenant and built on the new commandment to love God and to love one another. The covenant tells us that God is our God and we are God's people, first and foremost loved by God. We being not just those of us gathered here, or even those who claim to be followers of Christ, but all people everywhere. All people, all the beautiful and diverse people, all of the peoples in all of our uniqueness, in our many shapes and shades and variations, no matter who we love or how we identify, all of us in this beautiful diversity of people and experience, all absolutely and unconditionally loved by God. There are so many things that we can say about Easter, but sometimes it's nice to just start with that basic understanding of the relationship that we have with God, which is a relationship based in God's love for us and the invitation God gives us to love God in return and to love one another. It helps us to remember why we keep coming back to this place week after week, or maybe not this place, but whatever place you might worship at week after week and year after year. As a pastor, it's something I ask myself all the time, though. Why do people keep coming back? Why, why come here and do this thing that we do on a weekly basis? Why are we still here 2,000 years later doing this thing that we call Christianity? What I always come back to is the truth of why I'm here. I started attending church and living my faith for real while I was sitting in the congregation of my campus ministry in college. I found myself there because I found the truth that I just shared, that God loved me, that God loved all of us deeper than any love that I have ever known. And God has a revolutionary vision that God has been sharing with us since the beginning of time. It's the same vision that Jesus came to share with us during his life and ministry. The same vision that the Holy Spirit continues to pour out on us each and every time we gather. 
The revolutionary vision is designed to turn the whole world upside down. Just as Jesus has done with death and resurrection, turning the old ways on their head and establishing a new and a better way to be in relationship with God and one another. Easter marks a transition, a new beginning for us all. It marks that we are made new as Christ is made new in resurrection. It means that where our past sins left us dead, Jesus has given us new life and forgiven the past sins so that we can move forward. But it also marks the beginning of the power and authority of Jesus being transferred to us to carry on this revolutionary work because Jesus came for but a period of time. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are granted that same authority, authority and power to go out and continue to carry on the revolution, to continue to turn the things of the world upside down, taking the power out of the hands of the few and sharing it with all. It's the same power and authority that has been passed down over the centuries since the very first Easter. That very first Easter morning. And we carry that with us today. And we just have to believe in resurrection. In writing about what it means to deny the resurrection of Jesus, uh, writer and philosopher Peter Rollins once said, I deny the resurrection of Christ every time I do not serve at the feet of the oppressed. Each day that I turn my back on the poor. I deny the resurrection of Christ when I close my ears to the cries of the downtrodden and lend my support to an unjust and corrupt system. However, there are moments when I affirm the resurrection, few and far between as they are. I affirm it when I stand up for those who are forced to live on their knees, when I speak for those who have had their tongues torn out, when I cry for those who have no more tears to shed. I'll be the first to admit that I don't really understand everything about this Christian faith. I mean, truthfully, there's a lot of things that we don't understand. And we in the church have a, a, a nice phrase that we, um, we package that with. We call it holy mysteries. And that makes it all better because then we're like, no, it's okay to not understand. It's a holy mystery. But I mean, the fact is that uh, the resurrection of Jesus is in that category. How did Jesus go from being dead to being alive? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I don't understand. I, there's no way I can explain it to you other than to say that it did. It happened. And I doubt that I'll ever be able to actually explain that to you. It's something that's kind of beyond our ability to understand. But then again, that's not so surprising when you think about God who created all things, brought all things into being. The almighty creator who sees and exists beyond anything we can imagine. God knows a few things that we don't. And that's okay. Sometimes it's just about believing. I don't understand the resurrection, but I believe it. And I understand how it changes everything. And I know that we have been called to walk in it every day. To carry on the revolution that Jesus passed on to us. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, we carry out into the world to share with others. Now, as a pastor, it feels like 
I sometimes have a front row seat to the brokenness of the world because my job is kind of to sit at the crossroads of morality and our lives, to help us find the paths of God and to help us try and walk in righteousness. Something I'm not perfect at. But none of us are. And the world certainly is not perfect e either. There is so much brokenness. It's a world where we like to divide ourselves into categories and identities. Not to celebrate the beauty in our diversity, but to separate us. So that we can feel we have a little more control or a little more power. A world where police officers shoot unarmed men of color and then we can justify it. A world where kids go to school and can be shot and killed and there's nothing we can do about it. A world in which the privileges of some, but we, in which we privilege some at the expense of others. A world in which we look the other way when those who have power behave badly and take advantage of others because they happen to be on our side. A world where money and earthly power sits mostly at the top and those there seem to only want more. A world where we've built weapons that can wipe out millions in a moment and we use that as a threat of annihilation to broker peace. A world where one of the most prosperous nations in the history of the world has people who go hungry and go without shelter and proper clothing. A world in which we think I should have a say in what bathroom you get to use. A world where we think criminalizing mental health makes sense or maybe even just ignoring it until it really becomes a problem for all the rest of us. A world where we assess a value based on where you were born and national boundaries and value those boundaries more in, as more important than human suffering. These are just a few of the things in our worlds that are broken. There's so many more things. We could spend hours, days, probably talking about all of the ways in which the world is broken. But that's also why we're called to walk daily in resurrection. To recall Christ who died on the cross and rose on the third day, demonstrating just how far God was willing to go to show us the love of God in a better way. A way where everything I just mentioned doesn't have to be true. A world we can create and see created in God's image of justice, equity, and equality. It comes by way of revolution. Not through violence or coercive revolution, but revolution that transforms hearts. A revolution of grace that allows the worst things that we have done to be moved past, not to continue in justice, but to recognize our past contributions to the brokenness of the world so that we might turn away from our sins and live in the new life given to us by Christ. And by that, we can begin to undo injustice and work to create that equity and equality for all people, work to create dignity and worth in all people, Work to see that there is indeed a better way to live with one another that doesn't require some of us to destroy others of us. That recognizes the sacred worth and value of every single person 
because each one of us are created in the image of God. This is the, the revolution of resurrection life. God moving through us by the Holy Spirit as the hands and feet of Christ. And I don't know when we'll get there. I don't know when this will happen. I don't know how long it'll take. But I believe, as much as I believe in resurrection, that it will. The whole world one day will see glorious resurrection. Just like Christ demonstrated on that first Easter morning. And I believe it because I believe Christ is risen. And that has changed me. And I believe it can change the whole world. Amen.